Hey, welcome to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. Paul and Rick here with you. Uh, as always, super psyched to be here. Uh, I feel a little bit like a, a teenage cheerleader or something, you know, super psyched. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. So. I don't know either. It's been a long week. My brain is. I was checking my notes. Uh, super psyched cheerleader. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, ad lib those ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just play along. Right, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah. So um, today, talking about position and posture, uh, this is something, you know, Rick, you and I have been going through uh, the books of First and Second Samuel recently, and a story that I think you and I really resonate with, a friendship between um, David, who would be the, who was soon to be the king of Israel, and... Jonathan, who was uh, one of the sons of Saul, who's the the very first king of Israel, and, um, you know, kind of a classic friendship mm-hmm. uh, story in the Bible, and it's one that I have, yeah, just because of our friendship, have felt really right. close to um, over the years. And it says that you know David and Jonathan loved one another like you know closer than brothers, and. That's something that you and I have shared. But as we're going back through this story now, um, it still is a beautiful story. You know, of Jonathan vouched for David's integrity when Saul was convinced that David was trying to steal the throne from him. And, you know, Saul had his own issues. And in turning from God, he uh, was very troubled and jealous and suspicious of David when David had done nothing but, you know, be a loyal servant right. to him and even a son-in-law for quite a long time but toward the end of Saul's reign as he grew more and more manic and and unhinged he led the troops of Israel out to fight against the Philistines and just I'll read a a few verses here from 1 Samuel chapter 31 Uh, says now the Philistines attacked Israel and the men of Israel fled before them Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Geboa. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, uh, Abinadab, and Malkishua. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. Saul groaned to his armor-bearer, Take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor-bearer was afraid and would not do it, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. So Saul, his three sons, his armor-bearer, and his troops all died together that same day. And as I was, you know, as we've been going through this, just kind of taking another fresh look at the friendship between David and Jonathan, I saw something that's just... I mean, we both did. We saw something that's that's pretty sad. Um, David was the the anointed next king of Israel, and he and Jonathan were you know, they served together in war. They fought together. They were friends. They were brother in laws. Um, but when it came time for Jonathan to decide where his loyalties were going to be, was he going to go with his father who was becoming more and more unhinged and had completely turned his back on God to the point of like, going to consult mediums and spiritists to try to call up the, the spirit of Samuel, the prophet who had died. 
so we had Jonathan had his choice between his dad and David, who was a man after God's own heart, the anointed king of Israel. He chose his dad, and as a result, you know, he died with him there in battle. And it doesn't like as a veteran, you know, and as you know, people that you know love our our military and our troops. We don't mean like like there's the dying in battle that's honorable. You know, you give yourself for a greater cause, but this was just sad because Jonathan didn't have to go that way. He could have chosen to, you know, to be true to his friendship with David. And instead, he, he held on to his position. He, you know, postured himself in such a way that uh, it led to his demise. So that's kind of where we're going with this. And, you know, just kind of want to talk through what are the implications for our lives as you know we have competing priorities you know our our loyalty to jesus and the kingdom of god and the demands that are placed on us by work and family and friends and you know where where are we going to position ourselves and and are we going to let go or are we going to hang on to you know our little piece of this life so yeah. i know we'll go more places with that but i'll <laughs> let you go rick here and see what you got I'll, I'll certainly give it a try. The um, I'm getting a little slap back here, but so I'll ignore it. It it is very much a cautionary tale, and especially the fact that Jonathan he does he he uh, uh, pledges so much to David. I mean, he gives him his weapons, he gives him his tunic. You know, he gives him all of these things that are part of his identity and part of his position. And, uh, uh, you know, it, and it's really, I mean, after the fact, you realize that it's kind of hollow. It's a hollow um, uh, promise, I guess, so to speak, because he turns around and leaves and goes back. And you would think that in that moment uh, where he dedicates and devotes his life and even says, you know, I know that you are the king. And, but yet he turns around and goes back and dies with the old kingdom. He falls mm. and he probably could have served the rest of his life with David. And who's to say, you know, I mean, just kind of abstract thinking, uh, maybe he would have been the one to convince David to go to war in the spring instead of hanging out on the rooftop. And uh, yeah. which created a whole new set of problems for David and Absalom and just, yeah, we read about it. So, I, and it reminded me of the prodigal son, you know, and how he left and, and uh, you know, how the New Testament, it, it hasn't changed over the years. It's just changed as far as presentation and how it's written and we have the chapters and the headers now and and it's very broken up even though this was a lot of these were um you know handwritten accounts and then the letters that Paul and and uh, John and they wrote to churches were letters they didn't have headers they didn't have chapters they sat down and penned these letters and now we have them broken up into bits and pieces which sometimes i think really diminishes the message and the context of what we're reading so that being said, to make a long story longer, when the that to me the prodigal has never been about the prodigal. It's been about the father. It's always been about the father. And when Jesus is addressing these two groups of people, he's addressing Jews in front of him, not people on a Zoom call. 
several thousand years later. But when the, the picture of the father running to meet the son, when he and and I thought of that when I was reading about Jonathan giving David his tunic and his robe and he, he gave him his position, I guess you could say part of it, you know, it looked good, but he didn't give it all up. And uh, but the father did when the son came back, the son was uh, thought it easier to be a servant while the servants wished to be sons in that mm -hmm. whole environment. And so the father gives him, the father saved his life is what he did. David could have saved Jonathan's life, but Jonathan chose to go serve a, a crazy man, his dad. You know, I mean, Saul was insane. He had be, literally, you see, said it right. He was unhinged. He was insane. And he knew who David was. He knew what God had done. He knew God was going to make him king, but he would not... Uh, he wouldn't repent. He wouldn't kneel. He wouldn't stop. And, uh, it's you know, when you talk about posture versus position, when uh, Saul's posture, when the spirit came on him, when he encountered the prophets, he stripped down all his robes. You know, he took off his clothes. He wasn't naked. What that really means is he took off his kingly. He took off his position for a moment. He took off his position his accomplishments, his accolades, he took that off and his posture was to lay and prophesy. And it didn't mean he was spouting lottery numbers and, uh, you know, who you were going to marry and how many kids you were going to have. He was speaking the things of God. He was preaching. He was preaching the goodness of God and who God was. And Adonai, you know, uh, the author and perfecter of our faith, the architect of life, the great healer, the great I am. He did that for 24 hours laying in the dirt in his underwear with a bunch of other prophets in their underwear. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, weird little picture. <laughs> okay. In pajamas. <laughs> in his PJs. <laughs> in his monogrammed royal PJs. Um, and, and David watched from afar. And he watched to see who was going to get up. He was waiting to see who was getting up because the guy that fell down was a, a murderer trying to kill David. And uh, even in that moment, in the, in the spirit of God pouring out on Saul, after 24 hours, David was waiting to see who got up and Saul got up after that incredible counter, encounter with the spirit of God and walked away with murder in his heart. So he, where, at what point do the, our posture and our position you know, I'm not sure if uh, I'm the, the word I'm looking for to where they, um, our position reflects our posture and our posture reflects our position or changes our position. Uh, because, you, you know, as well as I see, we see, uh, I mean, you see a lot and uh, not to, to bash anything, but we've been to church services and you see people be struck by the power of God and lay on their face, broken and weeping. And then you see him in the middle of the week and, and uh, you're like, this is not the same person. And even just speaking for myself, I'll have moments like that. Yes. Amen. Raise your hand <laughs> where I have incredible counter with God and it's very emotional and I'm weeping over the condition of my own soul and my own heart and my, uh, you know, my moral bankruptcy and then, and uh, walk away with that, you know, the posture of, I, I need to 
I need to do better. And then by Wednesday, you know, the copy, my internet goes down, the copy machine won't work. <laughs> and, uh, the project I'm working on just falls apart and the smallest, the littlest job with the smallest profit margin goes south. And I'm, I, you know, I turn into the Hulk. <laughs> Smash puny humans. And, uh, it's, you know, it's just that you vacillate back and forth. But the good news is, is that you can continue to change that position. You can stop, posture yourself. And, um, I, another one I thought of was, you know, that posture versus position was the disciples when they were arguing over, you know, who's the greatest mm. and who's going to get the greatest seat. And even John and James, um, what was in Luke 22? Well, no, that's when they were arguing. But in Mark 10, 35, John and James says, well, give us the great, the best seats. <laughs> and they all knew who he was. They all had admitted, come to the revelation that you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. You are the promised king of Israel. Give us the best seats. I, I mean, that is pretty bold. You know, uh, it is. And Jesus says, uh, his response is interesting. Are you able to drink the cup? And then in Matthew 26, 39, he's drinking the cup. And, yeah. he, and he says, let this cup pass. And he was asking him, he says, you don't know what you're asking me. Because he, who, who ended up on his right and his left? Two criminals. Two thieves. On yes. Two yeah. thieves. And that was not a, a uh, envied position. And only one of them had the correct posture. Remember <clears throat> me, Lord. The other one was spitting and cursing. So there is a lot to be said about posture and position. And if your position, how do I, how do I phrase this? You can have all the right posture. Jonathan had the right posture. Um, the disciples, you know, they had the right posture. Uh, the prodigal. But when it came to when that posture made them, forced them to rethink their position, that, that one little, that moment can completely erase and eradicate your posture like it did for Jonathan. To me, that's such a sad tale. And you said it the other day. It's just very much a cautionary tale. And that's, that was very good. Um, for everybody, for all of us, that you know, we can espouse and proclaim and declare our devotion over and over again. But if we refuse to give up our position, our posture means nothing. It's just, right. uh, it's uh, a popcorn fart, fart at the end, <laughs> you know, in church. Which... Yeah. I'm glad we worked hard into this conversation. <laughs> You know, as you're talking about this, um, I was trying to find the, I got my version Bible app here, and I'm trying to find the verse in Colossians um, where it talks about Christ giving up his position. Uh, uh, and I, I'm, I, the, verses, yeah, the, the verse is escaping me, but it says, you know, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself took the position or the posture of a servant, gave up his life. And so the thing that has been consistent, you know, you brought it up. We are a mixed bag. You know, I've had that same experience 
you know, do my morning devotions and I'm crying before God and repenting and getting my heart right and I'm restoring my union with God and just really surrendering myself. And then I get halfway into my work day and things start to spin out of control. And where's my surrender? Where's my, you know, humility? It's gone. It's gone. And uh, I have a good friend of mine said, you know, the thing about uh, giving up control of our lives to God is we can take it back at any moment. And, uh, but the thing that has been consistent through all of this is that. God's posture and God's position has never changed. And so, forget which of the Old Testament prophets said it, but um, through the prophet, God says, I, you know, my hands have been outstretched to a stubborn and obstinate nation all day long. He's always been there waiting for us. And the beauty of the life that God has given us is at any moment, at any moment, no matter what, what we've done in the past, no matter who we've been, how horrible we've been, the crimes we've committed, what the consequences of those have been, at any moment, we can change our posture and our position. And, I mean, you, we brought up the, the two thieves, you know, the one thief that was uh, crucified next to Jesus. I mean, he was, he was being crucified for committing crimes, and in an instant, he said, Right. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't have an opportunity to do anything good or bad or, you know, change his, his track record. But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now that's the posture and position of the kindness and the mercy, the compassion of God. You're right. He didn't have to go down to the altar. He didn't have to bow his head, close his eyes, and, and lift up his hand. Um, yeah. At that uh, verse you're talking about is in Philippians. Oh, Philippians. My yeah. Sorry. Sorry, world. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Um, yeah, it goes on, but that's it. He, uh, he never took advantage of his position. It was always about his posture. Yeah. And there is definitely a uh, a line between the two, between posture and position. You cannot, um, if you cling to position, your posture means nothing. But if you if you truly give up your position, and I like you said a long time ago, well, not that long, talk just talked about hanging on to things with open hands and praying that. And when you said, I, I immediately grabbed a hold of that, and I've been doing that every single day. And this morning I did that on the porch. Hold, yeah, I prayed with my hands open, and just you know everything and anything, and um, that posture is. Uh, that posture, I think, is the key to positioning. If you're, if you're, I, you know, if your desire in for that position is to be as close as God as you possibly can, yeah. and in in truly doing that, it, like Jesus, it it um, eventually you will become nothing. You know, and I love again. I know we've said this before in some of our previous podcasts. What. Uh, Steve Gray said when somebody asked him, what do you think about the end of the world? And he said, I don't. My world ended a long time ago. Yeah. You know, that is just so profound, but it is so, it's iron. That's, that's it. 
And uh, when you truly, you know, can embrace the day. And again, it's not easy. It, it, you know, there are moments, man, when it's just, when life just seems so unfair, when everybody around you is, you know, flourishing and thriving and getting things and you're just scraping by and trying to make ends meet. And, um, and no matter what you do and you, and you think, you know, and that's me, I'm describing myself. I feel like I'm doing the right things. I give, you know, I give my finances, I give my time. Um, I, uh, you know, you have to deal with, uh, uh, people jockeying for position for the ambition, ambition to position, you know, which I call the spirit of Absalom, you know, what you just wanting that position and people that, you know, argue and fight for that position. Um, and we'll do anything to get there, even if it means assassinating, you know, the character of somebody, somebody else. Um, what do you really get in the end? Do you, you know, do you end up like Jonathan? Uh, I mean, that's pretty, pretty extreme, but it can be. He could have kept all of the, he could have kept his tunic, his bow and arrow, you know, his whatever he had on, his uh, his boots. He could have kept all of his gear and just said, I'm coming with you. But instead, you know, David, you know, sorry. No. David is such a good contrast to all of that um, through the whole couple decades, I think, that uh, from the time that he was anointed by Samuel as the next king and before he actually took the throne, you know, there was a period where he enjoyed Saul's favor and he was a national hero and they sang songs about him and he was this great military leader. Um, but then at a certain point that turned and he was spent a long time running for his life um he had opportunities to kill saul yeah his men even encouraged him like god has put saul in your hands do it and you'll be on the throne tomorrow and he's like i'm not gonna touch the lord's anointed and then you brought up absalom you know who in case somebody doesn't know absalom was one of david's sons and tried to steal the throne from him led this rebellion and a bunch of people joined him and David could have marshaled his forces and gone out and fought, and but he didn't. You know, he fled the city and said, maybe God has chosen him instead of me. I think David was really connected to his flaws. You know, and I think yeah. he, he knew that he was, in some regard, reaping things that he had sown. Um, but even at that point, he was the king. Like, he had been the king for years and years and years, and he refused to grab hold of that, you know, he fled and he put it in God's hands and said, if this, you know, if God's done with me, then he's done. But, you know, the thing that David always prayed is don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's the thing that was important to David. He was willing to give up the position, but just, God, I need you more than anything. That's really good, Paul. That is, he kept his, uh, even though he had, you know, I mean, he was reaping what happened on the roof and, and he killed Uriah in cold blood, uh, murdered him. <clears throat> and, uh, but he still, his position meant nothing to him. He was willing to walk away. And, um, it, yeah, you know, I mean, to reference what happened with Absalom, his sister Tamar was raped by 
one of the brothers. And so he, Absalom killed Tamar. I mean, it was a mess. And you're right. I think David was very close to his um, just failures and, and he owned them. But you're right. He never let that, uh, he never clung to that position. And, uh, you know, so I wrote this morning that some scholars believe that when he was fleeing Jerusalem was when he wrote Psalm, the 23rd Psalms, you know, um, that he was reminiscing and that simpler times, simpler times less stress. And I, I love the line at the end and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Well, who was, what was following him then? Sheep, sheep. Yeah. Quiet, easy sheep, not you know, murdering assassins <laughs> and uh, crazed, crazed children. Um, yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's, yeah. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all everything else will be given to you. You know, like I want to have that heart of David, no matter what happens, I want to have the heart of David. And, you know, I'm a, a place in my life, um, getting ready to turn 46 and uh, I work at a good company and things are going really well for me. I've got a lot of favor. My income is increasing and uh, the temptation is to like grab hold of that and like, okay, this is where I'm going to find my identity. I'm going to be, you know, somebody at my, my job and, and maybe I will, I don't know. Um, but I want to be intentional about holding that stuff with an open hand. God, like God, if you take this away tomorrow, if it's all gone, don't take your Holy spirit from me. I want goodness and mercy to follow me. I want that simplicity of just right. seeking God and his kingdom. And um, I think it's the 84th Psalm where uh, David said, you know, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever gazing upon his beauty like position and all that stuff doesn't matter, but take the posture and the, you know, of somebody who just wants God and let everything else take care of itself. Yeah. If your, if your posture positions you in the presence of God, then you got it right. There you go. But if your position negates your posture, then it's all been hollow rote just hollow, empty rope. But if your posture places you in the position in the presence, and that's what David did, his posture positioned him in the presence of God. His, that was it. He, you know, take not your Holy spirit. That was the position. That was the position he wanted. And no matter if he had to be, go back being a shepherd and take care of the sheep, taking care of a handful of sheep. And, uh, that, uh, his posture and position became one. And I think that's what, where that, uh, it begins, it begins to come apart and even the disciples. And yet, you know, what's interesting is that when they, um, when the gospel writers wrote their accounts, they didn't censor their arguments. They didn't, they didn't censor they're what we see now as very selfish and ludicrous demands. They didn't censor them. So something had changed their, their posture and their position changed. Good. Yeah. After yeah. that. And, uh, that's when you, you know, you get to that point to where 
any other that the the sole position you want is to be as close to God as you possibly can. That's going to affect everything else, and namely, yeah. mainly your posture. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, and why all this matters is kind of reflecting back on the conversation we've had over the last twenty eight minutes. This matters because heaven is coming. The kingdom of God, it's here, but it's on its way. And the people who receive it are the people that Jesus talked about in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God. Like Those are the people that are going to inherit the kingdom of God, not the people that are the highest, the best, the the most powerful, the, you know, like all of that stuff is, it's just temporary, you know, and I'm not, I'm neither one of us are advocating some kind of ascetic life where we just give up all of our worldly possessions and go away to a cave somewhere to pray and meditate for the rest of our lives. But the posture of our heart in the middle of the lives that we live, wherever we find ourselves, whether things are great or whether things are not great. Right. And I'm thinking about you know, the potential audience that's going to see this. You know, we have the capability of literally reaching any person in the entire world and the whole range of human experience. And it's not that those things don't matter, but what matters more is where's your heart? What, what are you seeking after? And that stuff matters because the kingdom of God in its fullness is on its way. It is a reality more real than anything that we can taste, see, smell, touch, you know, it's coming. And that's why the position of our heart, the posture of our heart has to be right, you know, to kind of harken back to uh, a podcast we did a few weeks ago. Like we have to keep our love warm. We have to keep our love from growing cold if we're going to be ready when Jesus appears. That's it. That's it. That's it. I think that's, great place to to put a bow on this so really you just summed it all up that's beautiful cool yeah thank you well we can't end without telling everyone yes god is not mad at you he poured out his yeah he poured out his wrath at the cross and to pour it out means he's empty so he's not mad. So I think this, if there was any, uh, any better time would be time now to posture yourself in a position that is as close to his heart as you can. There you go. Yes. All right. Thank you all. See you next week. Later.